Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and salutations, hemp friends. This is your hempy host, Tyler Hemp with Hemp Aware Radio. I am very excited and privileged to have a special guest on today's show. His name is Cliff Thomason. And not only is he one of the first industrial hemp farmers in Oregon, turns out that uh, he's going to be running for governor of Oregon as well. I'm uh, hoping to get him on the line here in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about the 13 farmers that received licenses to grow industrial hemp in Oregon this year. And we're also going to discuss some of the challenges. Um, I guess only about five of the licenses that were handed out were actually um, farmers actually put seed in the ground. So even though 13 licenses were um, you know, delivered or, or handed out uh, for these farmers, uh, only five of them got to put seed in the ground. And uh, Cliff Thomason and his group are one of those uh, groups of farmers that were able to. And so we're going to talk about what his experience was like, actually uh, referred to their experience as Deer Mageddon. Unfortunately, uh, although they had, uh, I think it was about two and a half acres of hemp in the ground, they ended up only um, getting a few plants because the deers came and they ended up eating their entire crop. So hopefully um, Cliff is going to be calling in here and we'll be able to ask him some crucial questions about what his experience has been uh, with planting the seeds and, and getting them in the ground. Bear with us just a moment while we try to get him on the line here. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Hopefully it will be inspiring and uh, we'll be able to answer some questions for people that want to start investing in the hemp world and the hemp industry and hemp farming and um, get it going. So I am uh, just going to make a, a pause here and be right back, and hopefully we'll have Cliff on the line. Thank you so much for your patience. All right, we got Cliff Cullen in here. So excited to uh, be able to discuss hemp farming with one of the first hemp farmers, Cliff Thomason. Here he is. Cliff, thanks so much for joining us on today's show. Hi, Tyler. How are you? All is well. I'm uh, really excited to share with our listeners what your experience has been. Um, I, I'd love to, you know, get into the meat of the show. We had a little bit of technical difficulties there, um, but, hey, that's that's the nature of radio and Internet and all that stuff. So tell us a little bit of, about your background and how you were initially introduced to hemp and uh, what inspired you to, to put some seeds in the ground and, and get a license to do the industrial hemp thing. Well, back in March, I, I had uh, someone approach me, uh, uh, tell me about this opportunity for growing hemp in Oregon. He says the, the problem was is that 
uh, trying to get land and trying to get seed because the, the state didn't set up any system to be able to get seed in, and it's extremely difficult. And, and I told them, I, well, I, I can get seed and I can get land. So we, we put a company together and and uh, got seed and got it planted uh, somewhere around the 1st of May, and, and there we went. Wow. And tell, tell our listeners, what's the name of your company? Uh, so we're... We're the Oregon Hemp Company, uh, or Hempco, uh, and uh, oh, we've got, uh, I think, six partners uh, in this company. You know, we're really trying to ramp up hemp production in the state of Oregon uh, with a goal of planting 10,000 acres uh, over the next five years. Right on. So tell me, did you know about hemp initially before somebody came to you and said, hey, hemp is legal and all you need is some land and to get some seeds? Did you have the history of being in the hemp world or was this a, a new venture for you? No, this is absolutely a new venture. Uh, it, it, but it was a, you know, a groundbreaking opportunity in Oregon, uh, having no crops in almost 80 years. Um, and the, the high demand, uh, nationwide, I thought it'd be, uh, you know, great to be on the ground floor of it. Right on. And so you, you you have a background of real estate in, in some other areas, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I have a uh, yeah, business background and uh, real estate background, so that's why the you know, finding land uh, wasn't going to be a problem. As far as, uh, you know, the, the seed ended up being more of a challenge and, and still is, but where there's right. a will, there's a way, I believe. Exactly. So tell us, if... Um, if farmers or you know people that are wanting to invest in in the hemp industry and they want to start growing their own crops and be a part of this, are you uh, somebody that they can contact in, in Southern Oregon or different parts of Oregon to purchase property if they want to start you know growing their own hemp? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the you know in, they can contact me through orhempco.com. You know, it's probably the easiest way. Uh, but I, I get inquiries. Uh, you know, weekly I've gotten calls and, and, and emails from as far east as Kentucky, uh, looking mm-hmm. for resources for for seed and and uh, you know and, and kind of what that process is. Very good. So not only can you assist people with getting into a piece of property, but you can also help them with sourcing and, and getting them established. You you've had a, you know this year to experience some challenges with the hemp. Um, Tell us what what it what did it take to get the seeds? Uh, if you can reveal to us maybe you know where you got the seeds or the process that it took to order them and what challenges you you had to overcome. Yeah, well, the the state didn't set up a, a, a true research pilot program, and so they didn't have a way to you know import seed using the DEA import process, which is still required uh, for large scale seed importation. So we had to. Be a little creative, and, and, and thank goodness for the Internet and Google, uh, because mm-hmm. you do enough searching for viable hemp seed, and you can find it. However, mm-hmm. you know, that method is a little more expensive, you know, whereas you can go buy, you know, sterilized hemp bird seed for a dollar a pound. Mm-hmm. Um, we paid uh, anywhere from $9 to $40 a pound uh, mm-hmm. for seed. But, you know, each uh, pound, you know, has about 20000 seeds in it and mm-hmm. so you know the the whole plan was just propagating our own seeds for you know and growing that because um, you should be able to get you know uh, 
hundreds of seeds, you know, per plant. And, and so with that, right. um, you can, you know, expand your acreage over time. Exactly. So what, what strain or rather cultivar, uh, because the term cultivar is uh, used for industrial hemp, whereas medicinal cannabis, I know they use the term strains. Uh, what, what type of cultivar did you guys use? And, and how many acres did you plant? Well, I planted about three acres. Uh, and, and actually the, the cultivar is, is unknown um, because we, uh, you know, had to, to source it, which was sourced elsewhere and, and so on. Uh, we just refer to it as uh, the Hippie Joe cultivar. Yeah. Right on. I, I was privileged and, and had the luxury and honor to come visit your little, what was left of the uh, Deer Mageddon farm. So tell us what happened. You got press, you got news coverage because... I guess deer came in and pretty much devoured your your whole crop. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. They uh, they went through. We probably had you know 600 plants uh, in the ground, and and they they came through and ate all of about 50 of them that were a little more protected. You know, when you have a drought type situation, um, uh, they they found that it was a good source for 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 moisture for protein and uh, we didn't know that the farmers had witnessed, you know, half a dozen, you know, uh, deer out there the, the night before. And, uh, of course, if there's, you know, six deer during the day, there's, you know, probably 30 of them at night. Wow. And over a, two, over a two-night period, they, they kind of munched through them. And it, it looked like a field of Charlie Brown Christmas trees when they were done. Uh, oh, man. Well, that's and, unfortunate, Dan, but hopefully you'll have the the uh, wherewithal to, to plant twice as much next time and protect it twice as better. Yeah, absolutely. It was, they had, you know, single deers had gone through before and, and never really messed with it. So we didn't think it was going to be, uh, you know, that much of an issue. And it, it, it turned out to be, but that's part of the research, you know, on there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, deer fencing, you know, all prepared for next year. And, I um, bet. And so it's something that we're going to uh, really, you know, keep our eye on. But it did get national news because, you know, most people nationwide still think hemp is marijuana. And and so I think the headline was deer got the munchies and ate farmer's field. Oh, and, boy. Uh, <clears throat> so it was kind of funny on the Bob and Tom show for about a week. But, um, you know, actually it, 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 it helped us in the end only because uh, – Harvesting this stuff has been, uh, you know, interesting challenge. Um, and when you're harvesting 50 plants, it's it's uh, a whole lot easier than you know 500. Exactly. So when you initially planted the seed, what was your intention? Was it to just kind of experiment and see what it produces, or did you intend to harvest the seed in particular, or for fiber? What what was your initial intention for the crop? Well, initially, you know, it was going to be, you know, as you know, it was designed for open pollinated, um, you know, and actually proceed um, again to propagate more seed. However, uh, we met great opposition with the medical marijuana uh, farmers, mm. um, of which in our county there's over 2,500 registered ones. So mm. you, you take that and the uh, and the black market farmers and. You know, they're quite a, a force to deal with. And so we decided, you know, to practice good farming and change our, our farming method. And, and so we went, you know, uh, to, you know, growing only females and to grow for flower. 
you know, okay. because of the because you know it's the same plant, and so the medicinal property of the of the cannabis plant, you know, produces CBDs, which are a high demand, um, high value uh, product, and so um, that's kind of what we're going for uh, this year. And so much of it has to do with research on on, on plant spacing, um, how much light, how much water. So we learned a lot, and, and we're going to be very successful next year. Very good. So you intend next year, you're saying, to, to grow it for the high cannabinoid content. You're, you're really going to go for that flowering aspect. Yeah, yeah. So we have um, some specially bred seeds that will produce, you know, high CBD and still be THC compliant under the 0.3% level. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we have, you know, a great opportunity this next year um, to really help reduce the overall cost of, of cannabis medicine on the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about what you described, this challenge of the the medical cannabis community. They're growing, and they have an issue with industrial hemp because of cross-pollination. And if hemp is close enough to medical cannabis, it will actually cause these other plants, these medical plants, to go to seed, which will then result in the THC levels dramatically plummeting. Um, so what? What? So you're saying you were able to overcome their their, you know, um, their concerns by by just growing female plants that are low THC. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even though we have ten thousand acres of unused land here in our county, um, you know, if you grew that much out in industrial hemp, there is that that, that chance that the cross pollination can occur. In our research, by having, we also had a greenhouse set up, but we did do, you know, uh, cross-pollinating and, and doing some research on that. And it wasn't as great a fear. It just doesn't travel that far in our area, in our climate, um, that you would, let's say, on the Mediterranean, where you have a lot more wind patterns that will carry things further. Um, you know, we would have, you know, I mean, so it, it really has to... You, you would have to have the, the perfect storm settings for the pollen to travel the distance that these people are, are concerned about. But rather than taking any chance, you know, we're only going to go, you know, uh, females outdoors. Interesting. So do you think that things are going to only get better for industrial hemp and, and the industrial hemp market for farmers and processors? Do you see it only getting better or do you see more challenges uh, ahead of ahead of us. Well, the challenge for the high density uh, hemp farming um, that you would expect, uh, you know, growing for fiber for seed, I think is going to be uh, probably corralled into, you know, the upper two thirds of our state in Oregon. Um, the best outdoor growing for cannabis, you know, in the country is Southern Oregon and Northern California, and so. Um, with so much at stake, hundreds of millions of dollars you know, already established in that marketplace, um, I think that you know the push is going to be from for growing for fiber and for seed is going to happen you know in the, in the mid to upper part of Oregon. Interesting. So, so you do see it getting better. You see Oregon, Northern California are ideal growing climates for the medical cannabis. Um, 
So what what parts of Oregon would be ideal for for the industrial hemp? You know, for seed and fiber crops. Well, I think you know throughout the whole Willamette Valley, uh, you know, mm-hmm. is, is going to be uh, perfect for that, just because you have you know so much open farmland, you know, that's available. It's a great rotational crop. Um, I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of acres that are available, and so I think that that's something we're going to you know, see once we have better availability of seed, uh, more and more acres um, being grown. I've gotten, if I had enough seed for 5,000 acres, we could be planting that next year. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, short of, um, you know, crossing, you know, the the path of the DEA, we're, you know, going to still work with the process and hopefully with Oregon State University to start, being able to bring in seed. Mm-hmm. So, what what was the the bill or the act that was passed? You mentioned that it was kind of uh, not exactly clear as far as the uh, you know commercial growth of industrial hemp for research purposes. How was Oregon? There was like 13 licenses handed out to farmers, and I, as far as I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, but about five of those farmers actually got seed in the ground. Is that what is that what you heard? The way I understand it from the Department of Agriculture is there was 13 original licenses issued. Uh, due to lack of seed, two of them turned their licenses back in, so there's 11 licensed farmers, and that only nine put any any type of uh, plants in the ground this year. Okay. So kind of a dismal first year, but, you know, initially their licensing – in Oregon was $1,500 for three years license. And uh, though that seems a little steep up front, um, it did drive away some people um, because it is an agriculture crop and they're treating it you know, differently than an agriculture crop. And they didn't mm-hmm. give any support for sourcing seed. And so that drove a lot of people away from even participating and then in the uh, legislative session, uh, there was a, oh, a House bill that was uh, going through the legislature that was uh, trying to put moratorium in certain areas on, on growing and trying to limit, um, put a lot of limitations on hemp mm-hmm. uh, in, in fear of, uh, you know, marijuana, you know, cross-pollination. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that scared a lot of people off that when you had a, a legislature that was not being, you know, pro-hemp and rather, mm-hmm. you know, instead just, you know, favoring, you know, being pro-marijuana, whereas, you know, we believe, you know, the coexistence is, is key to the success of both programs. Mm-hmm. Now, what is the current state or status of medical cannabis in Oregon? I've heard it, it's been uh, medically accepted. You can go get a prescription and then you can go to a dispensary and get your medicine. What what's happening? I heard things are changing, and and uh, Oregon's going to be shifting over to recreational. Has that happened, or what, what's going on with that? No, no, no. They're they're, they're going to allow both uh, types of uh, dispensaries uh, in, in place. So a recreational, you know, uh, dispensary and a medical. Um, so currently, uh, they've allowed temporarily medical dispensaries if they choose to to sell to the recreational market. Um, why they're still writing the rules, you know, the the fear amongst most of the medical dispensaries is that they're going to do away with medical dispensaries uh, and just have 
recreational because they feel the lawmakers feel that that's really what it's all about anyways. And, you know, and those in the medical community, you know, disagree with that mm-hmm. completely. So it's, uh, we have a short session at the legislature coming up in February. And I'd be curious to see if there's any other additional changes toward either industry. Right. Sorry. And, mm-hmm. and speaking of legislature, you're, uh, you're running for Oregon state governor this year. Is that right? Well, the independent party of Oregon, the independent party just received major party status a, a few months ago in Oregon, which means that they'll have a primary and, and uh, just like the Democrats, Republicans, and they'll also um, be three candidates for all major offices from here on out. And uh, being a registered independent, I thought that it was important uh, to throw my my hat in the ring and you know, bring attention to the hemp industry, the cannabis industry, as a way for Oregon to, you know, help their economy and create jobs throughout the state. Uh, one of the problems in Oregon is that they're they're only partway in on cannabis. And by that I mean, you know, they allow dispensaries, they allow the growing of it, they allow the recreational use of it, recreational growing of it, but they still haven't provided the, the banking you know, mm. for the industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's my belief, you know, you're all in or you're, or you're not. And I think that it's important that we find a way for the state to ensure banks protection um, from federal seizure of assets. Mm-hmm. And I think that would go a long way, you know, to bringing, you know, the whole black market, you know, into the open market if they were afforded those protections. Right. So you feel running for governor will put you in a position to have influence and to be able to to to, to uh, connect with specific people that are able to change laws, and you'll be able to be in a, a position of leadership to educate people about the power, the economic power of cannabis, not only, you know, as far as food, shelter, clothing, but economically, what an amazing, amazing opportunity that you have as running for governor to represent the state of Oregon and, and get out there and start connecting and rubbing shoulders with other uh, senators and, and um, governors and, and be able to influence them. I, I'm really looking forward to supporting you on that journey, and I appreciate your tenacity and courage to step up to the plate. Um, remind our listeners, what, what are your websites? How can people contact you? And um, you know, what's your what's your uh, governor website? What's your company website? And if you have a real website, I'd, I'd love for you to share that with us. Well, our our, our industrial hemp website is orhempco.com, O-R-H-E-M-P-C-O uh, dot com, and uh, and so my um, candidate race, uh, you know, is makeorgangreat.com because uh, that's. The intention of running is to to find ways of turning it around here and and to make Oregon great. And you know, Oregon's been a leader for so many years in so many different things, and we've recently, I think, you know, fallen fallen to the side. And I think it's important to lead the conversations nationwide and not follow them. So, uh, makeoregongreat.com is you know a great site. Um, I, I also I hadn't mentioned uh, you know. In, in, 
In the political world, we are statewide gathering signatures on an initiative um, called the Oregon Lottery Local Control Act that would, if passed, if we got enough signatures, got it on the ballot next November, people had a chance to vote on it, would redirect 50% of Oregon lottery dollars back to the counties they came from. Wow. Local local decision-making on a billion-dollar industry. And currently, Mm -hmm. there is no local decision-making on how that money is spent. And so a lot of counties are are really getting shorted uh, by having money leave their counties, go to the state, Mm -hmm. but then to decide how it's spent. Mm -hmm. And and currently, they're not spending it appropriately. So, um, and that's LotteryLocalControl.com, if people want to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, kind of uh, got my hands full, um, but enjoying it. Right on. Well, <clears throat> it's been so awesome having you on today's show. For our listeners, if you want to visit hempaware.com forward slash radio, you can visit all of the archived uh, hemp episodes. And if you have iTunes podcast library, just type in the word hempaware, all one word. And if you have any questions, if you want to have um specific topic discussed. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love your questions. Um, for our listeners, we just have about four minutes left. Cliff, I'd love for you to share a couple of ideas as far as what what can Oregonians, the local Oregonians, do to help um, raise awareness about hemp, industrial hemp, and cannabis, uh, and then as well as nationally, what can people do on a federal level Today, what's what's one action step or a couple of things that they can do to raise awareness about hemp, change the laws, and and really get things going for the hemp industry? What do you recommend people do, uh, you know, today? That one action step or a couple action steps that they can take to you know contribute to the movement. Well, in Oregon, it, you know, it's contacting your representative or senator, and by contacting email uh, and phone calls generally aren't enough. You know, if you can find where they're at and meet with them uh, and express, um, you know, your concerns or express your desire to have things change to make it easier to to grow this product, I find that most effective. Um, The house bill that you mentioned earlier, um, I spent a lot of time up at the Capitol and and talking with the representatives and senators directly. And after the bill failed... um, you know, I had one of them reach out to me and say it was because I was there, because, you know, there was actually a face um, before the issue. And so I think that that's really important. On a federal level, you know, um, our our representatives uh, from Oregon did a great job to get the Farm Bill, 2014 Farm Bill passed, including uh, 10 states, you know, in, in, the protect, in the production of industrial hemp. And I think that everyone, uh, wherever they are, uh, to send the emails, to make the phone calls uh, to their members of Congress, you know, in the House and, uh, and our Congress in the Senate, and and make them aware that this is a viable industry that needs to be tapped. We we don't need to be importing a billion dollars worth of hemp products in to the U.S. every every year. We need to be growing it ourselves. And this is an opportunity. We have not been able to use American ingenuity in relationship to hemp. And so if we can grow it, we can also grow the innovation and create things that we never even thought of if we're just given the opportunity. Exactly. And that's what this is all about. It's really about bringing it home 
And and just like the the hemp documentary, if you haven't seen it already, check out Bringing It Home. Uh, Google it, the hemp documentary. And um, just as Cliff mentioned, write letters, write emails, make phone calls, set appointments with your representatives. Go to the website votehemp.com, and you can uh, you can actually get form formed letters that are already pre-written for you. Just put in your email, your contact information. If you need a little assistance, you know, uh, check out votehemp.com, and, and there's those form letters that you can fill out. Cliff, it's so awesome to have you on today's show. I really appreciate you being on the forefront of this, and hopefully we can have you on uh, next year when you're getting seeds back in the ground and, and discuss what's, uh, what's coming up for the future. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. Thank you, Tyler. Have a great day. Right on. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is your hempy host, Tyler Hemp with Hemp Aware Radio. Like I said, check out hempaware.com forward slash radio to visit our past hemp episodes. And if you want to uh, get yourself a hemp book, increase your knowledge and information, hempaware.com forward slash books. Get a copy of The Emperor Wears No Clothes or The Great Book of Hemp, Hemp Lifeline to the Future. There's so much information out there. Get educated and empower people's hemposphere because it's important. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make it a great day.